0: The scoreline, when he looked at it, like, looks like a hammering. And it was a hammering though. They scored 28 points in about three minutes and we couldn't stop them. Don't know. Okay, so it was a hammering. But there's, there's different levels of hammerings here.
1: OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app.
0: Alright, you're welcome along it is Thursday's Off the Ball Nathan with you until 10 o'clock we got a cracking show coming your way on a day when Rory McIlroy has started fast at the Open Championship we'll bring you the very latest there's still about two maybe even three hours play left over at the 150th Open at St. Andrews uh, we're heading towards All-Ireland Hurling final weekend Eddie Brennan and E. O'Connor with the ultimate preview coming your way from 8 o'clock. Later in this hour we'll get the latest on Manchester United's chase of Frankie de Jong and what else United are getting up to in the transfer window with Miguel Delaney and then after 9 o'clock, well it is the quiet time of the football season for another couple of weeks at least, uh, John Giles over the next few weeks is going to do a special series on the great managers of his era as a player. He's going to talk about Jock Steen, about Bill Shankly, about Matt Busby but he's going to start tonight with the manager that he knows best of all Don Revy and that is coming up after 9 O'clock and is well worth a listen. Five three one zero six is the text number. Add off the ball if you want to get in touch on social. Uh, Richie McCormack, good evening. Nathan, how are you? I'm um, all right. Joe Malloy, good evening. Evening fellas, how you doing? I'm um, all right. So uh, we will hear from John Giles on uh, Don Revy and uh, what made him such a great manager in a little while hurling final to come as well. But really. As I watched Jordan speed stand over a uh, five-footer for birdie, he's one under par, he's seven shots off the lead, and he holds it, he gets the two under par. He's missed a few tiddlers already, Jordan, uh, but it's a cracking-looking leaderboard on day one of the Open, and Rory McElroy, yet again, Joe, has started fast.
1: Yeah, which was the big issue with Rory, wasn't it, for quite a few years, and he started very well recently in the PGA and fell away over the subsequent days and he started very well again today I don't know how much you saw of it Nathan but he was uh, very assured and it was a very mature performance it wasn't uh, the Achilles heel type McElroy performance which has pieces of uh, brilliance mixed in with disaster and, and costly mistakes all aspects of his game looked really good and he did an interview afterwards with Tim Barter and he said His wedge play is much improved, which we've all seen for ourselves. He's putting really well and really enjoying putting. Obviously, the driver is generally a weapon of choice anyway, even in the bad times. And he said he's thinking very well. And uh, I think we were all curious to see how St. Andrews would hold up to the challenge today. And there is no doubt. I mean, it's certainly as hard and fast as any open I can remember. Maybe going back to Muirfield 2013 when Phil won that kind of peroxide uh, colouring of the fairways. And it's resulting in uh, the greens at times have been difficult to hold and lots of tricky chip shots and lag puts and just the kind of uh tests of all of these aspects of your game which, you know, at, at times McGroy has um struggled with, but he was um just assured today and and, you know, the first twelve holes, there you're scoring holes at St Andrews, and then you Hold on to your hats a little bit from 13 to 17. And then you have a birdie opportunity, obviously, on 18. And uh, McIlroy started really well. He he hold a 50 footer on the first, Mm. which was such a bonus. Nice little momentum builder. You you need that. And we'll come to Tiger, I'm sure, in a moment. Uh, So, you know, hold the big one. And it was just uh, very, very, very steady. And steady was the word word McIlroy used afterwards. So it's exactly what you want from him. And and it's just a more mature Rory McIlroy, I think. Yeah and he's coming into this in really good form
0: had that big victory at the Canadian Open where he held off Finau and Thomas he has performed well in all the majors obviously when you're Rory McIlroy you don't win them but th- he's given us a little bit of everything at the majors this year you know there's been no first round blowouts any of that sort of stuff uh, and it feels with his history at St. Andrews you know 2010 he starts with a 63 gets unbelievably unlucky with the weather in the second round that's not going to happen this time didn't play in 2015 and when you hear Jordan Speeth earlier in the week talking about his worry, as it was, I think, that this would just be a wedge game. That that's what would be decided upon, like immediately. Bizarrely, now when you think of McIlroy, that's what you think about. His wedge game is so good over the past few months, and like his putting is massively improved as well. So a fifty-five footer, as we learned at the K Club, Joe, in the pro you know, when I missed that three-footer for double bogey on the first, momentum is key in these
1: things. <laughs> it sure is, uh, and he had so many tricky puts today. You know, um, even on the 17th, for instance, jumps to mind because it's such a difficult hole. It was one of the few greens he didn't hit when he really should have because he bombed a drive up the right-hand side, 17, gave himself a lovely angle, missed the green, and just had a very tricky put and left it stone dead. And he's held lots from five, six, seven, even eight feet to keep momentum in his round. And and his lag putting has been, like, exceptional. And there were one or two chips that were exceptional as well. I think he's always an underrated uh, chipper of the ball, but he had one phenomenal um, chip where all he could do was you know, flop it as high as he could and bring it down, and he and he duly did it, you know, under considerable pressure, I'm sure. So um, yeah, it, it it looks really good, and there's a long way to go, and like we all know, McIlroy's Achilles heel has been that he does have quite often a wayward nine holes and the you know gifts the tournament. But um, yeah, there's something very promising about his body language and 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 the way his game is is stacking up. There's no weakness. You're not you're not kind of We've all had the experience, I think, if you're, if you're hoping to see McElroy do well, of just being worried over certain shots or certain scenarios. But um, I don't know, he, he looks like a fella who's very keen to avoid a big number so far. And, mm. and that's very important today, obviously. It's
0: a it's a good leaderboard so Cameron Young who was a real factor in the PGA shot 64. There was no 59s, there was nothing really to worry about in terms of the course being destroyed. Now there's obviously a lot of very low scores and a lot of players under par, uh, but yeah. n- nothing that would question you the future of golf at St Andrews in the first round. I think the wind was uh, maybe a bit stronger than they were predicting earlier in the week. Uh, but there's still a long way to go. I It's funny, I often think the first day of the Masters is the best day of golf of the year, but it's more the anticipation because you're building up to it for eight months. The first day of the Open, even for you, Richie, this is as good as it gets. Half six this morning, Paul Laurie's out there teeing off, and they're still going to be there in two hours' time, and it just gets better and better.
2: Yeah, seeing um, young David Carey's, uh, what you call it, round is only halfway done. He only started just before four o'clock, so they're really stretching out uh, the available time to play in St Andrews today. I listen like I've always enjoyed the Open. St Andrews has always been, um, you know, one of the favorite courses to see around the place, just because it's like there is an air of like there's there's certain places have that air of history, and it comes through the TV screen when you're watching it. And St Andrews certainly is one of those. And I just like uh, uh, on the McElroy thing, is this like the third major in which we've discussed this year where he mm. started really well? Like he's had an amazing Thursday. And uh you know not much has flowed then after that point i I'd, I'd fear that we could be regardless of the body language and his his happy talk to Tim barter afterwards that that could crumble away pretty badly um because like that's just what's happened so far this year um I yeah, wonder i think, I think,
0: I, think I think the course is massively to his advantage, firstly, his love of it, but also that the conditions are set up for low scoring like you can only beat yourself out there at the moment if you keep going and yeah, it's tricky in spots and some of the putts you have can go horribly wrong very quickly. But it doesn't feel like there's a 76 or 70... Famous last words and we're sitting here tomorrow night. But it doesn't feel like there's <laughs> a 76 or a 78 out there for the those players who are in form at the moment. So I'd be as hopeful as you can get with McElroy that he will be a factor in this over the four days. Now, whether that's winning or not and for Rory, if he doesn't win, we look back and say, well, how couldn't he capitalise on that first round regardless of what happens? But I'd be quietly confident that he will be there
1: for the next four days with the way he started yeah hopefully I mean Southern Hills was the one where he had a brilliant first round and we thought wow we're up and away here and from his first tee shot on the Friday he wiped it left and never really got it going so the possibility is always there and uh, you know he's a mercurial genius and all that so uh, there is the question mark there'll always be the question mark and um, the one thing is the course like it's funny that the scores obviously are very low and and um, the only defense they had today were very difficult pin positions and the pin positions were very difficult so it was kind of a curious experience watching a lot of it today in that none of the holes felt easy around the greens there were difficult pin positions right on top of slopes or you know on cliff edges and it use if your ball rolls another two feature in trouble and there were lots of very difficult precise shots required and so it never felt comfortable for any of the players, and yet they're also bloody good. That the scoring mm. is, is is phenomenal, you know. So, uh, I think just that. McIlroy called the course fiddly afterwards. You know, he was saying that um, he's never known it. His it, ball to travel as far because it is so hard, and uh, I think that's almost putting a certain um, discipline on him and, and and sharpening the mind. And in some ways, the most encouraging thing he said, because his, his uh, course management has been questioned as much as everything else over the last while, is that he's thinking very well. And uh, yeah. Richie, you're right. The question marks are there. And, and, you know, it's like who turns up tomorrow? You're hoping more of the same.
0: Uh, it's a really interesting leader, but I'll try not to steal your thunder, Richie, but I might just go down through a couple of them. So, Cameron Young, 64 for the American, is having a, a really good season. Uh, wasn't massively tipped, but has been very consistent at very tough golf courses week in, week out on the PGA Tour. So, he's an eight under par. Two shots clear of McElroy. Cam Smith, who is the Players' Champion, who put himself with a brilliant chance of winning the Masters and went in the water on 12, Uh, wouldn't be a surprise at all if he's a factor over the weekend. He's on five under par. Uh, The best scoring so far, and this is going to be interesting in the next couple of hours, the best scoring so far is from that morning wave, and generally the winds pick up a bit more in the evening. The course dries out even more, and I think that'll definitely be a factor for the guys who are starting later. But it's a really good quality leaderboard already. You've got Westwood there in the group on four under par. Victor Hovland is in that group as well. Scotty Scheffler, the world number one, is on four under par. Uh, so he's in a tie for fourth. He's still got two holes left to play. Uh, Ian Poulter, was it 155 feet for Eagle? After being booed After being booed on, the, uh, mm. on his opening tee shot, uh, which I suspect was quite a shock for Poulter. He's on three under par. Bryson... Uh, able to unleash is on three under par as well as is Xander Shoffley who's obviously the hottest player in the game and Dustin Johnson very good Xander Shoffley Mm. Uh, he's going for well four wins in a row if you include the JP Pro-Am Ronan Malarney three under par now Galwegian who shared the private jet over shared the private jet with Bryson Uh, remember last time Paul Dunn what he did at St. Andrews and uh, got all of our hopes up so like Ronald Larney is having uh, the day of his life I think it's fair to say Uh, so he's only halfway through his round so he's not going to be finished for will be half nine by the time he's done, but on three under par, uh, listen, you make the cut on your Open debut, you're going to be happy, but give yourself a chance. So, he's right there. We'll keep a close eye on him over the next couple of hours. Harrington is going well, two under par after 13. Uh, Jordan Spieth, two under par after 12. So, all these players uh, under par. Six behind the leader, but uh, a long way to go. As you go through it, Ram and Cantley on one under par. Phil Mickelson on level par. Shane Lowry and Justin Thomas in that group on level par as well. David Carey, he's just Played the 10th, uh, he is on level par And Seamus Power on one over So already you see a lot of those players Who are the best in the world Who are the form guys Starting to gather together at the top of the leaderboard It is going to be a brilliant three days
1: Yeah, Larry started with a double bogey on the mm. second And then he another bogey in the fourth He was suddenly three over And his playing partners were all under par it was, Could have went either way actually He did really well to rally and just get par I mean, it probably, it, give, it already gives him lots of work to do to get back into contention but it could have been um, worse and then I suppose we're burying the lead in some respects the whole build up is about Tiger Woods and the um, atmosphere in the first tee is amazing and he hits him down there and you think no problem and just at the end you see it just fall into a divot and um, I mean the divot's unfortunate but these players are good enough to deal with that and, and hit down steep in it and, and, and um, you know it, it's still a bad second shot ultimately but he was unlucky to be in a divot and Uh, he he caught I mean I must have got too much of that sand first and it it didn't even cross the burn I mean it was one bounce and into the burn and then he had a lovely um, chip shot from the drop and he had about maybe four feet to five and you can think well that's okay and he missed that four footer and suddenly it's a six and you know he he was walking down the fairway after it in a second into the water and he just had this pained expression just a sense of my whole year has been about St. Andrews. All my prep has been about St. Andrews. The last couple of weeks, I've practiced incredibly hard. By all accounts, the last few days around Ireland, he was practicing incredibly hard and Bally Bunyan here and back for more practice at Adair. And, you know, the first bloody hole. And mm. you're just thinking, Ugh. and And um, some of the air went out of even the TV commentary, you know. The, the, like there was this hope that Tiger could give everyone a box office Thursday afternoon. And it's kind of gone from bad to bad, you know.
0: Yeah, he's five over par now. Uh, he had yeah. gone to six over, got a birdie, but he is still five over par. He's just playing at the 13th. He's got a tap in for par there, but already it does looks highly unlikely uh, that Tiger will make the cut i got to say uh, I was very surprised when I heard Lawrence Donigan tipping him for uh, not quite winning but greatness this week considering what we had seen at Adair Manor and how he was struggling to get around but listen maybe if he could make the weekend I think that would uh, give everybody a little bit yeah. of something so uh, we're tight enough on time I'm told so Richie we're going to tear through this news round if that's alright with you
2: yeah, we'll jump over the open then since you've uh, spoken about it enough there. And we'll talk about the uh, Ireland team to play the All Blacks on Saturday. Head coach Andy Farrell making just one change for that third and deciding test in Wellington. Bundy Aki will partner Robbie Henshaw in midfield with Gary Ringrose missing out due to concussion. Keith Earls is named on the bench following Aki's promotion. After losing the second test, Ian Foster makes four changes to his New Zealand starting fifteen. there's also some changes on the bench but Sam Whitelock returns to the second row following concussion issues with Nepo La Lula, Lulala named a tight head. Scott Barrett reverts to the blind side. In the backs, David Havili replaces Quinn Tupaya in the centre while Will Jordan's named on the wing. Farrell was asked this morning if the All Blacks' struggles have been tied to their indiscipline so far in the tackle.
3: It's not It's not, It's not. not for me to comment on the All Blacks. You know? it's, up, it's up to me to make sure that our guys understand what the rules are and whether you agree with them or, or not, um, you've got to idea by them. Uh, and that's it. And you know, I think we can debate after this series is over. Um, you know, and as and as the Southern Hemisphere rolls over into the Rugby <gasps> Championship, we can debate. Uh, we can debate that debate that after this. But the rules are for us now are clear, and uh, we make sure. And we always have done. To be fair, we're not a side that that really plays on the edge. Um, we're a side that um, uh, respects uh, um, being being disciplined so that we can't give the opposition um, an edge as far as that's concerned. It, it works both ways for some people, some some love playing on the edge and, and putting the referees under pressure. Um, uh, we tend to be a side that that likes to have a low penalty count, so therefore we can try and dominate um, um, territory in that in, in that way as well. I'm brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless
1: finish to your day. What are you expecting on Saturday morning, Joe? Oh, I mean, fire and brimstone from New Zealand and physicality and a busy Wayne Barnes in the opening 25 minutes. Like, uh, you just would be absolutely certain that New Zealand are scratching their heads as to why Ireland have dominated the twenty opening 20 minutes in both matches. So they'll throw everything at Ireland in that first 20. Uh, you make them favourites because it's New Zealand and they're at home. You also give Ireland a huge chance. That's contingent on the usual um, checklist we have, starting with Johnny Sexton being fit. I mean, it's going to be absolutely... Um, enthralling who can predict it I mean Brian O'Driscoll was on with us um, Wednesdays had maybe New Zealand by kind of ten point territory but but equally I mean nobody would be shocked if Ireland do this Um, incidentally Andy Farrell will join Bob Dwyer as uh, the only coach to have beaten the All Blacks seven times you know it's kind of his own little personal piece of history there he's an extraordinary record against them Um, I don't know what I'm expecting in terms of result but uh, the mother and father of all Black backlashes akin to, and I, and I hope we don't see something similar, but um, uh, Robbie Henshaw and the tackle at the ULIVA Stadium after the win in Chicago jumps to mind. I think that kind of a reaction, it's, it's unthinkable for them to lose this series. And so uh, they'll do whatever needs to do, and I would think. You can't count his victories when he's an assistant coach or a defence coach as beating yeah. the All Blacks. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I think, we, I think ah, come on. we give it to him. I think we- to him. All I right. give it to him. It's pretty pretty. I mean it's bloody hell It's
0: not bad is it uh, So Europa League Our conference league tonight Richie A couple of games on the way.
2: Yeah They're in past the hour mark In the Latvian capital Where it's now Riga 1 Derry City 0 that goal this evening Just past the half hour mark From Gabriel Ramos uh, For the hosts Beans Derry City Now trail 3-0 On aggregate They'll be heading out uh, They're just underway At the showgrounds Not long underway Where Sligo Rovers Are currently scored With Ballatown Town After 20 minutes played uh, there is a two-one aggregate lead for Sligo. There is Italy, meanwhile, had to come from behind to rescue their first point of Women's Euro twenty twenty-two. They drew one-all with Iceland in Manchester. At eight, France can book their quarter-final spot with a win over Belgium in Rotherham.
0: So Eddie Brennan and James O'Connor coming away after eight o'clock to build up to the hurling final. It's been a long time, I think, we've had so much rumour ahead of a All Ireland hurling final, but it's been uh, spreading like wildfire around Limerick this week, Richie, uh, with Keane Lynch. Aaron Gallam, Barry Nash all in there. But it does look as though Keane Lynch is going to miss the game.
2: Yeah, there's some credence to that particular rumour. An ankle injury looks like ruling the hurler of the year out of this Sunday's All-Ireland Final. The Patrick Oil picked up the knock in training and is a major doubt for the showdown with Kilkenny. Lynch had only returned from a two-month hamstring-related layoff in their semi-final win.
0: Uh, so Colin Bonner uh, has been talking. He is no longer the Tipperary hurling manager.
2: No one says he's extremely disappointed at being relieved of his duties as Tip boss. The county committee called time on his tenure last night, just one year into a three-year term. Bonner said he had plans in place for 2023 and the county board were aware when they appointed him that the Premier hurlers are in a period of transition.
0: Hard to know what to make of this, Joe, because obviously mm. a disappointing year for Tipperary, but like, if ever a team was in transition and a forced transition, they've lost some of their best players for injury over the last couple of years. Uh, it's been this Tip side and even the way it's been handled... Uh, where it's it's an amateur game. Do you just let him walk away if you know that he's not going to get the backing? But being relieved of your duties, it's not really a a GEA manager term.
1: No, hell of a euphemism. It is hard to know what's going on there. Mixed National League and then, as you said, everybody knows Tipperary are massively in transition. Liam Sheedy looked at the generation coming through last year and didn't see enough in them to uh, put them in instead of the old guard. Colin Barnard had no choice but to start to do that. Look, it was a disappointing Munster Championship, obviously. And then it's not good when you concede 3.30 against Cork and Thurless in your final outing of the season. And there's a very poor attendance. And that leaves a, a not a great t- taste in the mouth for obvious reasons. But um, the problem here is we'll never really get the rationale of the county board. I would love to know, do county board officials in this kind of an instance, do they ring up the senior players or some of the players and and, and get a sense from them or is it just they look at results and say not good enough I don't know if it's just in results and if the dressing room are saying oh no this guy is making an impact and we're making some progress then it does seem a touch premature, like uh, the next guy in is going to be every bit as much in transition. So, but unless Liam Cahill uh, has, How they reach the decision is the interesting one for me.
0: Liam Cahill obviously turned down the job and decided to stay with Waterford, and was yeah. ended up in a hugely disappointing season for Waterford as well, unless now there's an opportunity to go back in for Cahill. But yeah. either way, if you've offered a three-year term and you lose the players that they've lost, to, to get rid of the manager after the first season does feel uh, incredibly harsh. Uh, we're, what, 10 days away from football final. Uh, both Kerry and we have been in their pre-final media days, Richie. Yeah, Galway had theirs the other night And Jack O'Connor has had his today Gavin
2: White is Kerry's only real injury concern Ahead of next week's all Ireland decider with Galway Kingdom manager Jack O'Connor revealed That White had a scan on a knee injury That forced him off four minutes from the end Of their win over Dublin It will be later this week Before they have a proper handle On the extent of
0: White's injury I know you were talking about Aaron Connolly Over the last couple of nights Confirmation that he is going to Italy
2: Yeah, he has joined Italian Serie B side Venezia on a season-long loan from Brighton The 22-year-old spent the second half of last season on loan at Middlesbrough scoring only twice in 19 championship appearances The Republic of Ireland striker still has two years remaining on his
0: Brighton contract and Venezia finished bottom of Serie A last season uh, winding them up where they are He scored those couple of goals against Tottenham I don't think any of us saw his career panning out the way it has that he's not even making Irish international squads now Somehow you hope this is the kickstart
1: that just gets his head together and gets him back playing yeah. a bit of football. Yeah, there's something going awry here for sure, obviously, given the talent. And you hear like, like different whispers. I mean, Shane Keegan, I saw recently on Twitter, mm. I, I just saw a clip of him saying it's, an, it's perhaps an, uh, a question mark over his ability to take on information over his role and to carry out what a manager wants from him. There was definitely an Ireland game when, Kenny started three of the youngsters up front in Dublin where they were absolutely unhappy with his application and he was holed off at half time. So, whether that's attitude or an inability to take on information or maybe a mixture of the two, look, this is now crunch time, 22 years of age. So, um, it's kind of worrying because, as you said, geez, when, I mean, the talent is there and you, you score two goals in a Premier League game and, and you put in some of the performances. Uh, this is definitely a backward step. So I think we're uh, touch cautious here. I sorry, touch uh, worried here. Yeah, I think uh, there's been a reluctance
0: t- for people to question his attitude because nobody's inside the dressing room. Everyone's, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's rumor. But definitely, yeah. you look at where his career has been, and there's no love lost really at any of the clubs he's moved on from uh, towards him. So he just needs to somehow look at some of the other players in that Irish squad look at Troy Parrott who seems had a moment a year ago where he realized actually this could pass me by quite quickly and has put the head down and is working incredibly hard and is it looks as though he's going to get the best out of his career whether it's at Tottenham or somewhere but is going to make the most of this chance that you really want Aaron Connolly just to go score some goals play every week and just be a you know quiet member of this Irish squad who comes in and does a job but it feels a bit away at the moment i we're going to talk to Miguel Delaney in a moment on the latest on Frankie de Young, uh, but the Tour de France to finish this up, Richie? Yeah, 22-year-old Tom Pickcock has become the youngest
2: ever stage winner on the Alpe d'Huez. The Ineos Grenadiers rider was the first across the line on stage 12 of the Tour on Bastille Day, having been part of an early breakaway with Chris Froome today. Jonas Vingegaard retains the leader's yellow jersey with a 2-minute, 22-second lead over the reigning champion Tadej
0: Pogacar. All right, great stuff as always, Richie. Nice lads. Joe, enjoy the next few days. I'll talk to you Sunday morning for our watch-along ahead of the Open Championship for all the Golf Weekly crew. Yes, look forward to it. Cheers, fellas.